0: Welcome to Searching the Sacred. I'm Jason Stephan-Hagen,
1: I'm Steph Spencer, and I'm Lisa Adams.
0: We are hosting conversations about scripture for the curious doubters and hope seekers. We're inviting people to ask different questions, questions asked by those who have been wounded and hurt, questions asked by those who have deconstructed and are looking for a reconstruction. We're creating space for love, kindness, justice, and curiosity. We will wrestle, we will question, we will dance, we will dream, we will wonder, we will be frustrated, and we will hope. We aren't searching for singular answers or solutions. We are searching the sacred. Well, hello, everyone, and welcome back to Searching the Sacred. Jason, Steph, and Lisa here, and we are excited to be diving into a short Advent season where we are going to be having four episodes, and instead of doing a long narrative focus on a certain component of the Advent story, we are actually going to be diving into some names, because throughout the books of Matthew and Luke in the Christmas story or the birth story of Jesus, we are getting different names for this baby, for this child, for this Emmanuel for this person and so we are going to dive in and talk about those we're going to start with the one that we probably all know which is Jesus and so we're going to be reading from the book of Matthew chapter one so
1: this is from the NRSV and starting at verse 18 now the birth of Jesus the Messiah took place in this way Hey, There's a lot we could talk about here, so it's going to be kind of hard to
2: (laughs) hone in on a name. Um, But I don't know, maybe we just pause for anything that rose up as that was read. Like, I, I feel like as Lisa was reading that, I was instantly like at Christmas. Like, there's like a thing, I've heard that so many times that like it becomes this, I don't even know how to describe it, but it was suddenly like,
0: it's like a I feeling more it than it's a, it, like, it triggers a feeling more than it just triggers like a logic or like a, a thinking, you know, it like, yeah, it triggers feels almost, you know, and maybe not even a feeling. It's like feels like, yeah, I had that. I had that too. Like of like, oh, we're here now. Okay. Must be that time of season. I actually looked out my window to see if there was snow. hmm <laughs>
2: So I, I think it's worth acknowledging that any passage like that can be difficult to engage in in this way of study where we where we find the things to wrestle with. We find some things that are still left to unpack and we acknowledge that there's always more to see. Um because sometimes it feels like what more is there to see? Like I always feel for for um, pastors actually around Christmas and Easter because of having to give sermons year after year about the same passages and how it can feel like you have to invent something new and novel um, so that it's not boring. And I don't think that's what we want to do here. We want to just look at the passage and say, okay, in our effort to invent something new and novel each year, are there also things that we just haven't talked about that are not about a theme or something we're trying to conjure, but just there. So ahead of, ahead of time, it was Lisa who had the idea, I want to give her credit, <laughs> to talk about these names um, because have we really thought about both what the names are that are being talked about, but also who is calling this child by these names and why that might be.
1: And it, it just feels really... I mean, it's never simply like his name is Jesus (laughs) and like super clear for forever. Like everybody gets the same and like, it's just, that's what it is. Although it feels like in my vernacular that I like, it's always just Jesus. I don't really refer to Jesus as anything other than Jesus. Mm -hmm. Unless maybe there's some sort of song happening. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm-hmm. (laughs) <laughs> <You know? laughs> like yeah. that's really the only other time it comes into play like i i don't i some I, like it's interesting cuz we i think we do do it with like sometimes with god we kind of we mess with it a little bit more in prayers or different ways but jesus isn't really well that particular part of the name is not messed
0: with mm
1: mm-hmm.
0: like in the narrative flow of things we don't often refer to Jesus outside of the name Jesus. We don't say like, and then Emmanuel is with them. Or we don't say like, and then the Christ I mean, we might say the Christ, but we're we're like basically because we use it as Jesus' last name, which is not accurate. Um we definitely don't say like the anointed one or like the holy one or the son of God. Like, I mean we might read that, but we don't actually like say that.
1: Mm-hmm. Right. I mean, a pastor might preach it that way, but like if I'm talking to a friend, <laughs> I don't say So I was praying to the anointed one the other day.
0: (laughs) Or I was praying to the son of man.
1: (laughs) We don't do that.
0: (laughs) We should do that more. Oh, that should be, that'd be fun. All right, let us pray. Like, oh, son of man.
1: Well, and maybe, I don't know. I
2: mean, I don't, well, I think, well, That's curious, as we talk about Jesus today, as we talk about this name today, I think it'd be interesting to kind of think back to this part of the conversation and like, why is that or is that good or bad or is there not even a value judgment to it of like, why is that the name that has stuck in a different sort of way? Um, I'm also noticing about that name when I go from 17 to 18. So we didn't look at verse 17, but it highlights to me what Jason was saying about Christ is not Jesus' last name, because in up through Matthew one verses one through seventeen, it's talking about the genealogy, the generations that are leading to this birth. and so um, so it says in in sixteen, like that that Mary uh, begets Jesus who is called the Christ. And then in seventeen, these are the generations of the Christ. And so then in eighteen, this is the birth of Jesus Christ. Is is it's like showing the specificity of like this person we've been talking about. This is the name. Um, we've been talking about the generations. Mary names him Jesus. These are the generations of Christ. Now we're going to talk about this Jesus Christ that we've introduced. And so, and then Jesus is then the first name that is told to Matthew. So that feels like an intentional getting specific about who the anointed one is, what the anointed one's name is, how the anointed one's name came to be, um, which kind of highlights that the anointed one is a more general, it's a bigger word.
0: So we keep saying the anointed one, where are we we getting that phrase? Because we actually haven't read that phrase.
2: Uh, Yes. We're using
0: it. And I like it, but. Let's dive into that for a second.
2: Yes. Yeah, so in Greek, it's Christos. So it's where Christ comes from. And Christos is the Greek word for Messiah, Messiah, which um, in Hebrew, that word Messiah has the meaning of being the anointed one.
0: Hmm. So and when so we it, say the Messiah or the Christ, we're saying the same thing. It's just a different
2: one is Hebrew, one is Greek.
0: Hebrew, one is Greek. Mm-hmm. Yes. They don't teach you that either. <laughs>
2: So yes, yeah, so when it's Jesus Christ, that would essentially say Jesus Messiah. It's mm-hmm. it's That's Messiah in Greek, and Messiah is the Hebrew word, and both words then mean anointed one.
0: Right. And that concept of being, and th- maybe we're stepping on episode four <laughs> of this, but this isn't the first time that phrase or that idea is used, the idea of an anointed one. I mean, that's actually pretty common. Like not common, like everybody's the anointed one, but like it's common that people are anointed, whether it's like a king, like David was anointed, right? Um, There's other iterate. We don't need to go into that, but there's something interesting there that we may want to talk about in a few episodes.
2: One thing I want to say about the name of Jesus is that it actually would have been a common name. So like, as you name all of this mystical lead up to like, okay, who is this Christ going to be? I would think that the angel would give, say, give this child a name that no one has ever been named in human history. Like this is a unique human who has never existed before. Make sure it's a unique name that has never existed before. So whenever you hear this name, it stands out as being specifically about this specific person. And um, Jesus would not be that kind of name. There would be other people named Jesus at the same time that Jesus is born. People would probably have to ask, which Jesus are you talking about?
0: I mean, could that be why it's like Jesus of Nazareth? Like we're getting a location attached to it because, I mean, maybe that's how we talk about people, but maybe that's because names are so common. It'd be like, you know, we have last names now. So when you say Jason Steffenhagen, it's, you know, there's a, you know, there's a number of Jasons, but. You know, there's not many Hagen Jasons out there, um, but it, there's maybe a lot of Jesuses, but maybe there's not a ton of them in Nazareth. Right. And so um, it's a way of differentiating between the the that common name.
2: When the whole family has common names and it's one of the ways to think about like like um, Mary in Hebrew, like her name, people would have probably called her Miriam. Um, it, and Miriam is is this. Prophetess in the Hebrew scriptures that I I think we talked about her on the podcast. Mm-hmm. Um Moses's sister, have we talked about her? Mm-hmm. Not in depth. Okay, so she's Moses' sister. She has this role, this history. So when someone gave birth to a baby girl, they would Miriam would be a name they would want to give a girl. Be be like your ancestor Miriam would be something they would want. Similarly, when they gave birth to a male, many males would have been named Joseph, because Joseph is the dreamer in the Hebrew scriptures who who goes to Egypt, who helps save his family from famine, who reconciles with his brother. Where like when we have have a child who's a male, we would say like, oh, I want him to be like Joseph. And so both Miriam and Joseph have common names. And now they are told to name their child who's this unique something, also a common name, which is Jesus. We're going to talk more about what Jesus means. But I think it's, to me, that's surprising. I would think that all of them would have had something more uncommon. To highlight which human, which family we're talking about in this very specific instance, Lisa, you look deep and thought about all that, or something else I'm not sure so I was
1: thinking why well, is thinking about names and um I think it's that you know some people really do like a weird name they want their kid to have a name no one else has, or a way to make a nickname that other people don't have and then other times we're looking at trying to attach to a lineage. Like we actually want it to be linked. So like when, um, like Nick's middle name is my dad's name. Um, my sister has both my mom's middle name and my dad's middle name and her name. Um, I don't know why the second born got that and not the first born. That's a tale for another time. Um, but like, you know, like I got the generic (laughs) Like, quite honestly, when you said like Jason, people would know. I'm like, yeah. Do you know how many Lisa Marie Adams there are in the world? There's like hundreds. It's so common. Um, although if you did my maiden name, so if you did Walter Storf, then there's not as many (laughs) of us. And so, but I was just, I was like, oh, it's interesting. Like, when do you want to link to an ancestor or link to that incest? Like the you know, like people who are. Seconds,
2: thirds, fourths, fifth. um, I, the, I just want to highlight how important this is in this discussion about Advent and Christian and Christmas and how Christians tend to hold it because there's a way that we, Christians can talk about Jesus as doing something so absolutely revolutionary and so absolutely new that it isn't linked to what came before. That that the Old Testament is seen as irrelevant. It's even called the Old Testament. This is the New Testament versus what if we call that the Hebrew scriptures? Um, And this is the Greek scriptures or something where it's or the older and newer, but there's a link. And what if there's an intentional link, even in the naming of this family of like Miriam is linked to a Miriam that came before Joseph is linked to a Joseph that came before. What if Jesus is linked to the Jesuses that came before on purpose so that we see the continuation of the story with Matthew is like Matthew starts with a lineage. So that also seems to be something Matthew wants his readers to know. This started before now. Notice the links, know the story that came before, before you dive into the story that's coming now.
0: Yeah, I think that's really beautiful and and, and kind of leads us really naturally into the question, okay, then when I've read through the Hebrew scriptures, I don't notice many Jesuses popping out because there aren't any. So when you say the Jesuses that have come before, what do you mean by that, Steph? <laughs> <laughs> Great you guys club. laugh because I asked that like a total, like, like, I don't know, please, please. No, I was, I was like,
2: it sounds like a setup, but
0: <laughs> it is a setup. <laughs> You're we doing good job of telling <laughs> the,
2: <laughs> the, the listeners right now. Okay. So this, like, one of those things that we, uh, that is so important and we can take for granted that people know that we just, sometimes we just haven't been taught this is that the Uh, Old Testament and New Testament are written in two different languages, which means that it's not always obvious. So the New Testament is written in Greek. The Old Testament is written in Hebrew, as I just named them as being the Hebrew scriptures. And in both testaments, the, the process of translation transliterates names. It doesn't translate names, meaning it's not telling us the meaning of a name. It's saying it's telling us in English the approximation of the way it would have sounded in the original language, which is why. Mary is being called Mary here and not Miriam because Miriam is the Hebrew word. Mary is the Greek word. So we can see that in her name, but probably around like when she was walking around, people would have called her Miriam because they would have been speaking Aramaic to each other, which is related to Hebrew. So she might've been called Mary by some of her Roman neighbors and Miriam by some of her Hebrew neighbors and gone by both names. Um, Similar to like, I think about anybody who uh, lives in the United States who immigrated from another place and how their name might be said by someone who is, speaks their native language and someone who doesn't speak their native language. And sometimes people have even an entirely different name or different pronunciation because it depends. Are you speaking English? Are you speaking Spanish or whatever place you came from? So that's what's happening with Jesus. Jesus is a Greek name. Hebrew in Hebrew it would be the name Yeshua. Or yeah, um, and Yeshua, we would hear, or it gets transliterated in the Hebrew scriptures as Joshua.
1: So Jesus is Jesus'
2: name is Joshua. And we'll talk about what that means, but I just want to pause there because for some people they might be like, what? <laughs> Um, You could walk around and you could call Jesus, Jesus, or you could call Jesus, Joshua, and he probably would have responded to both. Although it would have been pronounced more like Yeshua. So if we said Joshua, he might not respond because they wouldn't have said it that way. They would have said Yeshua.
0: He'd be like y'all from the future.
2: (laughs) (laughs) What's that J sound? (laughs) Yeshua.
0: So now we have a Mary, Miriam. We have a Joseph and a Joseph, and we have a Jesus who's a Joshua. And so we have, like you said, it's all this connectivity in this story, in just a handful of verses we're launching in. And there is so much for these, like for the first readers of this to be like, okay, thank you for putting me in this story. And, and this story is not just starting here. There's a, there's three different sets of 14 lineage. There's these names that go back to these like Mount Rushmore type people um, in our story. And now we're launching into this, you know, this new birth of this, Mm -hmm. this, this Yeshua who's, you know, I want to like jump, right. I just want to like jump in and be like, and here's where like, there's so much like, you know, interesting stuff. Like Joshua leads the people over, the Jordan River and into the promised land. And what does that mean about what Jesus is going to do? And I just want to make all these connections between Joshua and Jesus. And, but, but first we should probably ask the question, okay, what does the name Joshua actually mean? Not just what did Joshua actually do?
2: Mm Hmm. Before we ask that question, Lisa, do you want to share whatever thought you were just? I think really, we should really do videos of this podcast so people. We can totally need to space. because
0: when Lisa just looks up to the sky, it's like a it's like a trigger for us to be like. She has yeah. a thinking look. We're like, what is <laughs> yeah.
2: what is on your mind? You got <laughs> something? <laughs> uh, well, thankfully they can
1: have a live podcast and then see it. Um, well, I was thinking about Joseph, and even in this way that Matthew is telling the story, in like. It says it's up that like the angel of the Lord is talking to Joseph, which has got a whole thing to it. But it's like Joseph, son of David is what's named there. But like as Seth was pointing us up to earlier in 16, we're told that Jacob is the father of Joseph and the husband of Mary, which is makes me curious. Like, does Joseph feel weird about like son of David or is that like a cue for him? Like like it feels like this is still lineage conversation. It's still like drawing us back into like this whatever Matthew's doing is Matthew feels like he's like they're just tying the entire story into something from like there's a lineage getting tied to everything. Hmm. Generationally and individually. There's names, there's people, like but it's also like a little bit mystical too. It's not just Bloodline. Mm-hmm.
2: Maybe it is just bloodline. I don't know. Well, yeah, like that, that I, it probably wouldn't be common for Joseph to be referred to as a son of David. He, he is, he, he would be, cause he's in that, that lineage was just named. He is in the lineage of King David. That's going to be important for thinking about this son of David, this, this Messiah, this anointed one to be born of him or his family line. Like that's going to be important, but, but normally he would be called walking around. He would be called son of Jacob. He wouldn't be called son of David because that's like great, 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 great grandfather. People would know that lineage. Probably you would be, you'd be proud of that lineage. People would want to be from the family of David. Um, but the fact that the angels calling him that in the dream, it's, it's a great point, Lisa, it's reinforcing. This is about a bigger story that has come before, not just the story that is starting now.
1: And,
0: and the fact that go ahead. I was gonna say it's not the first time. There I can't remember the exact story, but we we've covered this in the podcast that there is a person earlier in the Hebrew scriptures who isn't referred to as the son of their direct father, but is the son of their grandfather or their great grandfather. And that is a a a signal to us that there's connectivity to maybe the same inheritance or the same vision or the same promise, right? Covenant. And so, um, so here we're getting that connection and it's maybe because this is the fulfillment of something that Jesus, the son of Joseph is going to be, you know, a continuation of something, the fulfillment of something, this, a similar covenant to what was covenanted with, with David. I mean, there's, there's a whole lot there to unpack that we probably don't have time for, but that connection is important.
1: (laughs) Is he ever called the son of Joseph? No. The son of Jacob? No, like, oh, is Jesus, Jesus ever called
0: son of Joseph. He's called at one point. It's like, isn't he that carpenter Joseph's son? But Amen. it's not like it's more like we can't oh, believe sure. he's the one running around saying these things and doing all these miracles because isn't he just supposed to be a son of Joseph? And he's clearly not because he's like the son of man or the son of God at that point.
1: And never the son of the Holy Spirit.
0: <laughs> well, just no, because to, the, to be the clear. spirit's feminine, so we can't do that. Well,
1: but this, okay, Jason, if the Holy Spirit's doing their business,
2: I'm just, hey, I, the Holy Spirit coming upon is, that's more in the Luke narrative. So we're not, I there. don't know, maybe we should, we should, well, I don't know, never mind. In verse 20, it says, conceived of her of the Holy Spirit. Never mind, it's here too. Um, <laughs>
1: I, just, oh, that's so I was just being sassy
2: we don't have to go we like <laughs> sassy.
0: Trying,
2: to, trying to well okay so i do it's think just, it's worth because it's no this, because this podcast is supposed to be about the name jesus we should talk about the name jesus so verse 21 we're already given an idea of what jesus means it just sounds to our like modern christian ears as being bigger than it is meaning verse 21 you shall call him Jesus because what? He will save his people from their sins. He will save his people. So anybody in the in the world that speaks Greek or speaks um speaks Hebrew Aramaic would not be surprised. Call him Jesus because he will save. Because Yeshua means salvation. It is a name that means. Um, it's two parts, yeah, short for the name of God, that, that personal name of God given to the Hebrew people through Moses that, um, is talked about. It's translated Lord in our, in English, but, um, it's this verb to be the great I am. Um, uh, people, I love, uh, I'll often use the words living presence because that's how Rabbi word love translates it. So Yah is short for that name, which also has a meaning, by the way, (laughs) of this ever present, intimate, moving, active God. So Yah is that. And then Yesha is the word for salvation or, but it's an, it's to save or to deliver or, um, to open up.
0: Save, to deliver, to open up. Yeah, there's some implications there.
1: Um,
2: and, uh, and to be spacious. So when we think, when we now take it back to its Hebrew roots, when we, one of the things we can think about with the name Yeshua, when Yeshua appears, is we can think about where the people came from and where they're going. So for 400 years, the people were oppressed and living where? Egypt, Egypt, which in biblical Hebrew is Mitzrayim, and Mitzrayim means the narrow place. So they were in the narrow place. Moses and God freed them from that narrow place. They wandered in the wilderness. And then the name of the leader that helps them cross over from the wilderness is YAH opens up, delivers, and brings us to someplace spacious.
0: And and let's remember, too, that I think this is the case. Correct me if I'm wrong, but Joshua, Yeshua, is the only one in the narrative who is in Egypt, in the wilderness, and in the promised land, because nobody else is named as doing that. Moses doesn't make it to the promised land. Miriam, we don't get word. I don't think that she makes it to the promised land. But Joshua goes from being a slave, forty years in the wilderness, and then becoming leader that leads them over the Jordan and into the Promised Land. So there's it's something possible about, that
2: like- Caleb also did. So, but. Um- Caleb isn't introduced until Numbers 13 when he is one of the scouts that goes to check out the land. And then it's he and Joshua both who say they should go. The people don't want to go. Caleb and Joshua then are the ones. Well, it's
0: likely that he was born in slavery because that took place early in the wilderness. So he would have to have been born in Egypt.
2: Yep. And with Joshua, we do know that that would have been true because he's introduced way back in Exodus 17 when they first get into the wilderness. That's when we meet. Maybe we should unless, be calling him
0: Yeshua. <laughs> unless you watch the Charlton Heston movie, then in the, the movie Ten Commandments, Joshua is introduced when Moses is talking to Pharaoh. So I just wanted to point that out. Yeah. As like second canon. So <laughs> <laughs> Lisa is not looking up like she has a bright idea. She's looking down in shame.
2: <laughs> <laughs> That's what happens with dad jokes. I just can't. Ask Jeremiah. Just can't. He'll concur. (laughs) So, so it is like, this is a name that has been introduced all the way back to Exodus 17 as a, in the form of a human there, who is the first, um, who is first introduced in Exodus 17 as somebody who is, um, fighting a battle on behalf of the people, to save them from somebody who's coming to attack them. So we see this salvation piece happening in his name there. We see him as an attendant to Moses who stays in the presence of God. Um, When Moses sets up the tent of meeting, Yeshua stays inside the tent of meeting and wants to be near the presence of God. We see Yeshua as being anointed at the end of the, uh, or going as a scout in number 13 and saying, yes, we should go into this land that God has told us we can have. Um, and then he stays with the people as that first generation dies off. Moses dies off, Miriam dies off, Aaron dies off, that whole generation dies off. And then in Joshua 1, it is it is he who is told to be strong and courageous. We probably know those verses and to lead the people forward into the land. Now, I will say, he does not do that job perfectly. (laughs) One of the things about the book of Joshua to wrestle with, if you're reading it on your own, is noticing what God says to Joshua and what Joshua says to the people. And how that, there's many things that Joshua says that we can wonder, is that actually what God was saying? Or is that how Joshua is choosing to lead them? Um, And that's one way to wrestle with some of the violence in the book of Joshua that I want to highlight as we're saying, this is the lineage that's connected.
0: Well, it's connected. And and I think that you're, you're, you're smart to have us be more attentive to how we read the stories of Joshua, but also to see the work of Jesus in the new Testament as a, well, you've heard it said, but now I'm saying to you and not just hear it when Jesus says that phrase, right. When he's doing the sermon on the Mount, but Jesus's own life as a Testament to a different form of, leadership or a different form of here's what saving or opening up actually looks like. It doesn't mean that we just vanquish our enemies. It doesn't mean that we're just the strongest or the toughest or the smartest or the most powerful. It means that we're the most loving and we're the most forgiving and that we, we are doing this differently. Um, and so I think like Jesus's own story could be seen as a, um, not a comparison to Joshua's story, but as a way of saying, okay, I'm going to kind of, I'm going to kind of give you a new way of understanding what this name means.
1: And actually, oh, go ahead, Lisa. Well, I just, I think there's, um, it's not saying that every Yeshua over history has the same life story, right? Like Jesus is going to have a different story than Joshua. Yep. But, in the current, but like the question I feel like that can be, that we can kind of think about is how, like, how is Joshua helping save the people? And then how is Jesus helping save the people? Like, how do they live into their name or what, what significance does their name be, mean for the time and the place and the setting that they're in? Because they're in different settings. They're in different places. Yeah. The world is very different. And I feel like that's. <sighs> part of the yeah, part of the work of figuring out too, like what is necessary today. Um for like there's there's still real real conversations around what does it look like to be someone who follows Jesus or someone who believes in God. And what does that actually look like in our lived experiences? Mm-hmm. I think it's hard because Jesus is just on this <laughs> the Jesus pedestal. Mm -hmm. so it's hard to even imagine that like it's hard to imagine jesus is in a lineage to imagine jesus descending from a group of people in history Mm -hmm. like really feels like jesus descended from heaven and that's that Mm -hmm. but that's not true that's not where like we actually are we do have to root him in human history
0: Mm -hmm. and yet there's this weird like conceived of the Holy Spirit, like Joseph finding out about like, well, my wife's pregnant. This is not how I drew up starting a relationship with her. So yeah, there's, there's like a lot of kind of mystical, like what is going on here piece to it. So yeah, Jesus didn't just like float down from the clouds, fully formed as a 30 year old person, ready to like go to a cross. But there's also a component of it that it is a little bit like, this is different. Like, you know, this is different.
2: Right. And and I love this idea of this is different is also a part of the lineage. So I think we've talked about this in a previous podcast, but Yeshua, Joshua, isn't the only person who's had this name in the Hebrew scriptures. So Joshua is one form of the name Yahyesha. Another form of the name, Yah Yasha, is the one, is someone named Yasha Yah. So just flipping the verb and the name of God, which that name is Isaiah's name. So again, it sounds really different as it gets translated, transliterated into English, but Isaiah's name is Salvation of Yah. Joshua's name is Yah is salvation. It's just flipping the order. And so it sounds super different to us. Joshua and Isaiah sound like completely different names, but it's actually the same name, just to flipped order. And salvation looks very different in the time of Isaiah than it does in the time of Joshua. And in the time of Isaiah, Isaiah's message is uh you've stopped caring for the oppressed, and that's not okay. Um You that living in this land is not what I called you to do if you're going to be oppressors, like you need to turn back to following what God told you to do, or there's going to be consequences. Like Isaiah's message is justice, 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 because that's what salvation looks like at the time of Isaiah. Another name of so another name is Hosea. So that's also a prophet. Hosea's name also means salvation. Hosea is just missing the Yah. So it's like Hosea's name is just the Yahshah without the Ya. That's why it's, it sounds different. Um, but it's also the name of salvation. But in the book of Joshua is actually referred to as both Hosea and Joshua. So you can see there's um, that connection there. And Hosea is the prophet. That Jesus tends to quote. I've desired mercy and not sacrifice comes from the book of salvation that came before Jesus, whose name is salvation. It's Hosea uh, 6.6 that Jesus quotes when he's working with people. I desired mercy, not sacrifice, comes from the salvation that came before this salvation. That was me talking a lot, so I'm gonna pause.
0: Well, I think it's really important that we don't just get too fixated on the most obvious connection, which would be Joshua, but that we recognize that throughout the different generations and I guess like seasons or locations or, you know, one's moving into the promised land. One is in, one's about to lose the promised land. You know, one you know, the end of Isaiah is, is, you know, there's different scholars that say, okay, the first part of Isaiah is before they were in captivity. The second part of Isaiah is when they are in captivity. And so there's a sense of like we're getting we're getting an understanding of this name of what salvation looks like from different points of the human journey or this this group of people and And I think that that's a really important thing to point out that we wouldn't normally pick up on at all
2: well, because the transliteration of names doesn't help us. We can't see that these names are all related because they sound super different <laughs> between the Greek and the Hebrew and the Hebrew and the English. It's all like we don't hear we don't hear it
0: so then to jump us to jesus in Matthew chapter 1 he will be named jesus because he will save which makes sense either his people or the people from their sins so now we're getting a more specific okay what is the saving all about is it the opening up that Joshua does as opposed to the narrow place of Egypt we're opening up into the promised land? Is it the justice of Isaiah? Is it the mercy, not sacrifice of Hosea? But here we're getting save people from their sins. Okay. So, and and I know that that word sin can be like a trigger to some people. So let me just pause and allow people to take a deep breath because they just heard the SIN word and I'm not saying that sarcastically, I'm saying that because I know that there are people that that word has been used as a weapon about their very existence, about their identity, or about um, why they should be scared all the time. And, And so that word can be really hard for people. And yet here it is at the beginning of the narrative about Jesus and the salvation is connected to something about sin.
2: What I'm noticing right now is that's interesting as we talked about in this, that it is not only Joseph who gets the the word that this child should be named Jesus, but Mary also gets that in Luke 1. Um, so in Luke 1, 31, in the conversation with the angel, or 30 to 31, the angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And now you will conceive in your womb and bear a son and you will name him Jesus. And to, in Mary's message, that because is not there. So, one way to wonder about the because he will save his people from his sins is to notice that that's a message given to Joseph. It's not the message given to Mary. And how does that affect the weight of it? So this isn't always attached to Jesus's name. It's not like a addendum that has to always be said, but in the message to Joseph, it feels important for Joseph to know his name should be Jesus because he will save his people from his sins. Mary just needs to know his name should be Jesus. I don't know what that means necessarily. I just want to bring that in to say they get a different word about the name. Mary just gets the name.
1: I think it's one of those harder, it's a hard passage to like even play with because the words have such distinct meaning for us to be saved from your sins yeah. and whether we've actually even taken apart like what that. So one of the things that I think is sometimes helpful is to like, whether this is, I don't know that any of my uh Greek teachers would agree with this idea. But when you read the definition and you start like kind of like opening it up a little bit, so to save to keep safe and sound to rescue from danger or destruction to keep safe and sound feels a little different, like feels like it's opening it up, and then if you take like from your sins um to miss the mark um, to miss or wander from the path. To be mistaken. I don't know. I just feel like we're all. greedy. If if it's about making mistakes. Like that happens all the time. I make mistakes. Daily. And in ways like. I just not like I'm proud of it. Like I wish I didn't make mistakes. But it feels very very human. To. (laughs) I don't know if they're always bad choices. But it's for sure. Like just make a mistake to miss what you're shooting for to try to do something well. And it turns out sideways for whatever reason. Um, But I like that idea. It feels like in line with, again, This feels like all the Christmas music starts to come in of like comforter. Like there's other things that we kind of have put Jesus that label into, but it feels to kind of affirm that it's not just a, well, what it doesn't say is like from going to hell. <clears throat> That's an
0: important, say that again.
1: It doesn't say that. Like, it's not saving anybody from hell. That's not what that says. Well, like you're being harmed. Like, like Jesus is doing something that's going to, I don't know. Like, what is it? Save
2: you from your sins. Well, so I want to talk about, so the word save that Lisa is talking about there. Now we're talking about the word sozo. Um, Sozo is the Greek word for to save. So you're to name him Jesus. That's got all that Hebrew lineage, but now we're in New Testament. So it's Greek because he will sozo people from their sin. So sozo is also a word that Jesus uses himself to say, to save those who are lost, to sozo those who are lost which goes right with how you were defining it, Lisa. Like what is it to save those who are lost to bring them into safety to like that word then becomes a word that Jesus uses. So we can see how Jesus uses it and what Jesus says himself. He is saving people from as he is, is here and doing his work. Um, And, and he talks in much more language about like that sort of idea that you were saying also think the word sin is worth talking about so hamartia as as lisa was also Can naming I, to miss yeah. the mark to be mistaken huh Ham, hamartia hamartia emphasis <laughs> on the wrong syllable hamartia <laughs> thank you you guys both know greek better than me so please please do that when i do that with the greek okay. so hamartia so but w- looking at that word more so it's to it's that missing the mark it's to err be mistaken but there's also this um a little bit further down i don't know where i just saw this it's in the wandering it's to miss the mark and therefore not share in the prize and so in thinking to the olympics right or like if you're if you're playing archery and this is coming from archery and you miss the mark part of the implication of missing the mark is you don't get you've missed out on something by missing the mark And so when we're thinking about this delivering, opening up, bringing to safety, that was giving me the idea of what is it to bring people who missed the prize in some way, like in to get a share of the prize. And how as Jesus reaches out to heal, as Jesus reaches out to um, have people at the table who haven't been at the table, how is that sort of taking people in who for whatever reason were excluded from the quote unquote prize to now be part of experiencing it and widen that table and widen. The, b- the blessing out and how might that be a part of how we understand salvation?
0: I think that, as we've pointed out, this idea of being saved from our sins is because there's always been like that dot, 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 or at least for a lot of us, there's been a dot, 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 because your sins are what lead you to hell. And therefore, like, you better be saved. Thank God there's Jesus. And when we don't add that dot, 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 and we nuance what's what the words mean and how these could have been understood in the moment when it is saving you or bringing you to a place of comfort or protection or moving you to a place of safety because the trajectory that you're on is not going to be the party that you think it is or the trajectory that you're on is going to miss inclusivity of others or it's gonna you're not gonna share in the goodness of what is possible. It's really easy for people to jump to, well yeah, that's because it's talking about heaven and that's because we go there instead of hell and it's really easy to make that leap. But it's like, well, no, no, no. What if this is about being human? Right? Let's let's forget that it's all about being spiritual beings that are going to spend eternity somewhere. Like that that's not actually in the text in the moment. Let's just talk about being human. Because humans make mistakes And then miss out on each other. And anyone going into the holidays that has any form of relationship with your relatives knows exactly what that feels like to feel like your choices, your mistakes, your trajectory, or the trajectory of others has not allowed for the enjoyment of the party to take place. And that's totally human. And so for Jesus as this. Human one, born of a woman, part of a family lineage, inheriting all these ideas of opening up, bringing about justice, bringing about connectivity and mercy. That's all about human stuff and relationship that allows us to actually be together and to enjoy the fullness of what it means to be human.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And so here's Jesus saying, Ah, oh, yeah, I've come to save you from your sins. All the ways that you have missed the party like i'm gonna help you get back to it right which i which my head as soon as you said that stuff about what how this word could also be understood it just led me straight to the parable of the of the prodigal son or the forgiving father or the however we want like the two sons right and how there's a party going on and they're both invited and there's a hesitation about who's gonna go and so i just i don't know i I feel like this is such a human verse and not this overly spiritualized verse that we tend to make it into.
1: Mm. Makes me wonder why Joseph needed to hear it. Because it's also like, when we think about, it's not something that is, I don't know that it's said as
2: often as we think it's said that J- Jesus is here to save people from their sins. Like we say that in our tradition, but now I want to like research how many times it's actually said that he says it or it's said about him. And so then I want to contextualize it. To, like, why did Joseph need to know that message about this child?
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, because he's the one who's hearing that message right now. The world's not hearing that message. Joseph is hearing it. Joseph is hearing that this child is going to open things up for those who've missed the mark. Is that even about Mary and about like, however, whatever hesitation he might have about Mary? Do you raise
1: your kids different if you know? Mm. Like if you know that this is what they're going to do. Like, like if somebody told you your kid is going to be, is going to invent something that's going to save, like, cure cancer or whatever, do you raise them differently? Like, like, it feels like there might be like a little, a bit of a, well, I would, par- I would parent differently.
0: Yeah. That. We might, we I might would. sign up for science classes a little bit more uh, than maybe the pot. Uh-huh.
1: expectation. Mm-hmm. <laughs> What you do, um I, yeah, I just kind of feel like there's a way that it sets Joseph up to like I don't know, Joseph doesn't ask any questions. Joseph just does it, which makes me have questions about Joseph, but
0: I also think there might be something about this lineage, and so it's the it's Joseph's son of David mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and we're talking about the height of Israelite power, Jewish power, right? We're talking about the one with the most influence, the one that has the covenant, like your family line will be on the seat of Israel, you know, forever, right? Like this is, so when Joseph is linked to that and grows up with that family heritage or that family lineage of like, Hey, I'm a part of like the family, right? I mean, like whether or not there's any power there anymore or whether or not, I mean, there's obviously lots of offshoots at this point where ge- we're like 14, 28 generations away from this. So like, there's a lot of time that's gone by, but there's like a pride, right? Of like, this is where I come from. And so when you're told that like, there's maybe some power here, um, how you hold that power matters. And so for, for Joseph to be told like, Hey, there's a miraculous birth happening with your wife. Don't get a big head about this (laughs) because this, this, this magical, mystical, beautiful baby boy that's going to be born to you is going to inherit a lot of important stuff, but it's not so that you can hoard it and, and use it to keep people out because that's what power often does. But instead it's to bring people in. Um, And I think that might be something that Joseph needs to hear. Otherwise he might think, man, I got the golden ticket. Like we're back on top. We're going to get the power. We're going to, you know, exploit people again.
1: Well, I mean, I was just thinking about the, um, what's interesting is I feel like now what we do is we root ourselves in the land. So like, I would say that I'm Dutch. That means my family is from the Netherlands. Like I root, in a geographic location of like who I am. And that's based a lot on like my looks, right? Like it's based on like, um, there's something that happens. Like when we ask somebody where they're from, there's something cueing us in that they aren't from the same place as us or whatever that like, there's a, but we're asking about place. We're asking about like link yourself to the place you're from. But what's happening in the text is we're getting linked to people. And I wonder what a difference it would make if we were to root to people if we were to root towards like I'm a part of this lineage and if the lineage is actually about character or person versus like where you're born or I don't like I'm just thinking like that like I don't it's a hard thing for me to think about because I don't root I don't root past my grandparents Um, like a little bit with my great-grandparents but really that's it for my And so like, I can't even, I mean, I couldn't tell you four generations away of like a name that would like be like, oh yeah, that's so to root to a person, to root to David, which I understand has a lot of significance in the history, but like David's also got a lot of stuff in there. We've talked about all of David's funky stuff. Um, It feels like maybe that's not even so much that Jesus is doing something different, but like, that's part of like, we see Joseph having like this, this run of poor choices, sinful behavior, and still having, like, he's not stripped of that generational, nobody goes, well, now David's not, he's out. He's not, we're not gonna, we're not gonna talk about David no more. He actually maintains throughout. So what if there's something in Jesus that is not so much about, like, the power structure, and it's more about, I don't know, I like, I don't know, like, I'm. Just, do you, does any of this make sense? Like, I'm just kind of spitballing here, but I just feel like there's something about the linking to a person and not, I don't know, maybe it is about royal lineage and
2: power. I wanna I want to do one more linking to a person because maybe it helps unlock that. So in Luke, when we're when we're hearing Luke's version of the story, and Mary's also told to name this child Jesus, in Luke one seventeen, um, when Zechariah is told he'll he'll be a father to John the Baptist, he's told that John the Baptist will go and forward in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of their fathers to their children. So Elijah's name means L is YAH. So we've talked about YAH being short. So God is YAH. Elijah is the prophet who anoints Elisha, who we talked about in the final podcast with Elisha and the Shunammite woman, whose name means God is salvation. So that's one more name of salvation that we didn't talk about is Elisha is God is salvation. It's a different version, different God name, but different, a similar version of that name of salvation, Alicia is the one who goes to that Shunammite woman's house who reveals how God is already there. Alicia is a prophet who raises people from the dead. Um, uh, which, so that also happened before Jesus. So there's a way that there is like just all of this rooting into people, even outside of genealogy, that does make for interesting questions.
1: And what happens
2: if we root in people?
0: Well, it's we- interesting because the way we're rooting in these people is we're rooting in a lot of the positives of who they are. And not simply the complexity of who they are. Um, and a lot of it is because that's what we know from the story is the positives. We don't see all of the you know, other side of the coin. We do it with some people like David or Joshua. We can see some of it. but. Um, I wonder what it would be like for us to look back at our own family histories and to say, okay, I'm the son of Ron and I'm the son of Ray and I'm the son of, you know, Jim and I'm the son of Cliff and like, I'm the, you know, like, and, and I'm the son of, you know, Marilyn and I'm the, you know, like, I'm the son of, you know, all these people that have informed who I am. What if I took some of the most beautiful characteristics of who they are And like, allowed that to fill how I understand myself, right? Like, the devotion of my dad, the hard work of my grandfather, the consistency of my other grandfather, the hospitality of my grandma. Like, what if I took those characteristics and said, I want to embody the best of these people as I am their offspring, right? Like, I wonder what that would you know as opposed or, to being like german
1: <laughs> well i also wonder about i think some of the challenge um like it's it's super easy for me to talk about one of my aunts who um like housed uh jewish people during um from the nazis and it's a really interesting story and it feels like this um like a proud of that lineage and then but what i don't um, not a fan of is holding the ways that like a lot of dutch people did some really horrific things in africa and mm-hmm. where we've been oppressive and so i i actually wonder about what's the power of holding both of like holding mm-hmm. on to the humanity of both like like i love the good qualities like that's easy but what's the part that's actually feels like it's the undercurrent that needs to be dealt with is some of the ways that there's been harm and whether that means I have work to do to um, try to make retribution for that, or if there's a, um, or it means that I do something different going forward, like change future trajectory based on that. Like I wonder about holding both complexities. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, that's good.
2: And that, I wonder if that's part of why we don't do the work that's being done here at the beginning of Matthew of rooting in history, that we would rather, depending on our own history, sometimes we would rather discard the lineage we came from or other people who've had our name as compared to say, what is the next, how do I hold this lineage? How am I the next thing to come in this line? How, how is this part want to be lived out in my story? Um, and, and maybe a part of seeing Jesus' name here as being unique, but not unique is a challenge to us to say, what is our name? Where did that name come from? Where did we come from? And how is, is, does this time period that we are in, how can we be a next iteration of something good that opens people up, that brings people out of places where they've been outcast, that lives that lives in the lineage of this story and however it's there in our
1: own lives. Also, I think I said retribution and I meant restitution. I'm just going to throw that out there now.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Sounds like a perfect way to close.
1: It's a really good question, Steph, but my brain was really stuck on, I don't think I said that right.
2: <laughs> it's not not looking for retribution. That's okay. There's <laughs> salvation for those who miss the mark, Lisa. Yeah.
0: Thank
2: you. Thank you.
0: <laughs> Let it be so. <laughs> this has been a 40 Orchards podcast. At 40 Orchards, our mission is to create circles for all people to wrestle through biblical text so that together we can expand each other's experience of what is sacred, whole, and good. We search through the lens of sacred possibility, assuming there is more to be discovered, questioned, and applied as we listen for how God is still speaking. You can learn more about 40 Orchards and sign up for a study by going to 40, that's 40orchards.org. Our opening music is by FM. Our closing music is by NCR Music Vibes. Additional music is by 3Music. Any references to books or other sources can be found in the show notes of this episode. Thank you for searching the secret.